Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jacqueline Thornhill, and I am honored to serve as the 97th president. Our club focuses on youth, children's literacy, and we support our active duty military and veterans. We meet on Thursdays at Lowry's at noon. For more information, please visit LasVegasRotary.com or follow us on Facebook at Las Vegas Rotary Club founded 1923, where you can watch a live stream of our weekly meetings. Please enjoy this week's speaker. So today I get to introduce Kimberly Malm. She is a uh, new member of our community. Um, she is here uh, to speak of her experience and how you can take your experience and really make a difference. Um, please uh, thank you uh, and thank you for helping me introduce our speaker, Kimberly. Can y'all hear me? Put that, put that up there. I do? Okay. I can hold it. That'll work. So make sure I have my timer. Stay on time for y'all. Um, so I always give a trigger warning before I speak uh, because what I talk about are very hard things. Um, so the following presentation discusses issues and circumstances that may be difficult and triggering, cause anxiety, flashback, anger, sadness, disassociation, etc. for many people. Please know that it's perfectly acceptable to step out of the room or take uh, whatever self-care steps that you need. Um, please know that that can mean looking on your phone, um, stepping out of the room, uh, going into your purse, whatever you need to do, I'm perfectly fine with that. I will also be available after the event if you would like to talk or you need connected to resources. So um, your president told me that this was a Valentine-themed event. And so when I think of Valentine's, I think of romance and love. And when I think of those things, I think about the first time. And the first time, uh, first kiss first time of falling in love, first date. And so I decided I was going to theme this talk around um, first times. And I'm going to take you essentially on the journey of first times and first experiences of my life. And um, hopefully that will show you not only what... I myself have been through, but people that I have helped and assisted have been through, but what people in our own community here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the United States specifically are experiencing and how you as individuals, you as members of our community, you as, as Rotarians can do to make a difference in their lives. So the first time I thought I was pregnant, the first time I thought I was pregnant, I found myself curled up on the floor, back against my bedroom door, punching myself in the stomach, trying to make a baby that didn't exist, 
fall out while holding a teddy bear because I didn't really understand how pregnancy worked or really even how you got pregnant. I just understood that something was happening to me and that I think I knew how babies were made and that I knew I didn't want to tell my mom and dad. And so I was trying to make the baby come out. I was 12 years old. Beginning when I was 11, I started being victimized in child pornography, which quickly began and progressed to child trafficking. Now, I had amazing parents, amazing parents. I was adopted. My parents were foster parents. Um, but my dad was law enforcement and worked nights, so he slept during the day. My mom, like many of you probably know, law enforcement officers do not make a lot of money. My mom worked in a doctor's office during the day and then worked one to two extra jobs my entire life trying to make ends meet. And so after school, there was a few hours where my brother and I had, we weren't unsupervised. My dad was home. He was just asleep. It was the 90s. Kids were supposed to go out and play. And um, the world wasn't supposed to be a big, scary place, right? Now, as it says, my name's Kimberly Mole. I have a master's degree in victim services management. I'm a national, nationally recognized policy expert in victims' rights. I'm the founder of Kimberly Mole Advocacy and Consulting. I am a lobbyist with over 70 bills um, on, a, on a state and federal level, um, mainly in uh, violence against women issues. Um, up until recently, I managed the $17 million recovery for the Route 91 shooting here in Las Vegas. I'm a governor-appointed commissioner for the Nevada Sentencing Commission. I'm also on the Nevada uh, Justice for Children Task Force and the Nevada Coalition to Prevent the Commercial Sexual Exploitation of Children. But mostly what I'm, I want to say known for, but what I'm proud of is that I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse because like most children of sex trafficking, before I was trafficked, I was sexually abused by not one but two neighbors beginning when I was five years old. Then child pornography, child sexual exploitation, 
child sex trafficking. Then because of that trauma, when I was older, prostitution. Now here in Las Vegas, we seem to think that that's fine. That's a willing choice. That's something that women want to do. Now let me explain one thing about sex trafficking and choice and prostitution. We have this image in our minds with trafficking that it's the movie Taken. That trafficking is the image of a woman being kidnapped at a Target parking lot and being forced at gunpoint to sell herself on the streets or in hotel rooms. The reality is, is last year, out of over 100,000 plus victims of sex trafficking, three were kidnapped. Three out of over 100,000. The image you have in your mind of what sex trafficking is, is not the reality. The reality is, is that it is broken women, broken children, most of us formerly foster care, or formerly sexually abused, or formerly from a home of domestic violence or poverty, who are either one, told by a man, I will love you, I will take care of you, and then told something to the extent of, hey baby, I can't make rent this month, we're gonna be out on the streets. I would never ask this of you, you know I love you, but we're gonna be homeless and I feel so bad, I'm not a man, I can't take care of us. I would never ask this of you, but my boy, so-and-so, he really, really likes you. And if you'll just be with him this one time, he'll pay our rent. Now, I would never ask this of you, but I don't know what else to do. And we're going to be without a roof over our head. And that one time, she does it. And then the next month, he comes back and says, baby, you know, construction's slow, and I can't, I can't pay rent again. She goes, you said it was only going to be this one time, and I'm not going to, I can't do that again. What do you think, I am a whore? And he says, you already are a whore. You already did it once. You're going to do it again. And if she says no, then the physical abuse starts. And if she says yes, he already has her. And then the cycle starts. Or the second scenario is 
There is no man. There is no pimp to start. The pimp is poverty. The pimp is homelessness. The pimp is domestic violence. The pimp is trauma from child sexual abuse. The pimp is addiction. The pimp is being in college and not being able to feed yourself, and so you become a sugar baby. And you do that one time, and then that one time turns into two times, that two times turns into three times, and then you have a guy who wants to be your manager. That manager turns into a pimp, and then the physical violence starts, and then that physical violence turns into, take this pill, it'll make you feel better. And then that pill turns into addiction. And then you're no longer, you're no longer doing it. You're no longer taking the pills to work through the working. You're taking, you're working to take the pills. sexual exploitation. Then, because I'm a good Southern girl when I was 20 years old, I wanted to become square, which means normal. I got married, because that would make me normal. That would make me safe. That would get me out of the life. Married a young Christian boy. I went to church. He became a pastor. Then the domestic violence started. Eventually got out of the situation. Then not one, but two sexual assaults, including one two years ago in Reno, where I did everything you're supposed to do everything, including no, stop, I do not consent. I included quoting NRS, which is Nevada Revised Statute, because I'm a lobbyist. I write the laws. I can quote the laws to him. Got to the closet, got my gun, pointed it at him, ran him out of my house, called 911. The cops caught him. Cops caught him two blocks from my house, put him in jail for a week, got a SANE exam, which is the, the forensic exam they do after you've been sexually assaulted. This is the handful of pills they gave me that say here, don't get AIDS, don't get pregnant. Washoe District Attorney had him in jail for a week. Then they brought me in to question me. Said, here, you were raped. You said no. You pulled a gun on him. You called 911. You got a SANE exam. You did everything you were supposed to do. Yes. Yes, I did. You are a lobbyist at the legislature. Yes, I am. You're... A victim rights advocate. Yes, I am. 
Their specialties, sex trafficking? Yes, it is. Did you ever file a police report on your sex traffickers? No, I didn't. Why not? I was 12. Huh. But you're filing a police report on this guy? Yes, I am. Huh. The DA within 20 minutes decided I didn't make a viable witness and let him go. My history as a quote-unquote prostitute as a 11, 12, 13-year-old makes me not a good witness as a rape victim as a 33-year-old. He also strangled me. I forgot that part. The first time I heard about human trafficking, I was in a meeting just like this. It was actually by a Rotarian. Um, she passed away couple months ago. Her name was Leanne Fulton. I don't know if any of y'all know her. She's in Texas. Um, she was standing up and talking about this thing, that horrible thing that was happening in this faraway country like Cambodia and Thailand. And these, how we needed to save these little girls. And while I was sitting in a chair just like this, I was like, wait, but that's what was happening to me. <laughs> How, how are we supposed to save those little girls in those faraway country when that was happening to me right here in this country? No one was trying to help me. Nobody was trying to save me. And in that moment, my life changed. I went from being a victim to a survivor in that moment. And I decided that I needed to do something about what was happening in this country. Yes, we need the help in the other countries as well. But there are hundreds of thousands of kids in this country who are being exploited and trafficked. And so my specialty is domestic child sex trafficking of American kids who are being trafficked and sold. And especially here in Nevada where the problem, especially here in Las Vegas and Clark County where the problem is huge. Huge. Where we have men from all over the country flying in from all over the world to buy Las Vegas children because there's a market for it. They don't need a passport to go to Cambodia. They don't need a passport to go to Thailand. They don't need a passport when they can fly to Las Vegas to buy Nevadan children here. Because we don't arrest people in Las Vegas, in case you didn't know. Even if you buy a kid. Now, you can rape your neighbor kid. You can rape a child, your next-door neighbor kid, and go to jail. But if you pay a dollar for your next-door neighbor kid, you get a ticket. Welcome to Nevada.
first time I started working on legislation. So I was trying to get out of my domestic violence situation. Um, lighten the mood. I like it. I know I get a little rowdy. I get a little riled up, and that helps me. I like it. So the, I was trying to get out of my domestic violence situation. Um, essentially, when I got married, I was told I couldn't work. Um, I needed to stay home, get pregnant, have babies. Um, so I wanted to go to college. I would secretly send off for catalogs um, to schools. And uh, my dream school was Georgetown. And I would secretly send off for catalogs, and I would look at them um, when he wasn't home. And um, I was able to get my real estate license. That was because that wasn't a quote-unquote real degree. Believe me, people, it's real. Um, any realtors in this room know? Okay. Um, and was able to work my way through that and to um, eventually, through a group like Rotary, meeting some wonderful people who helped me um, work my way to getting into school full time. Through that, was able to work my way out of my um, domestic violence situation by getting my education. Um, because of groups like this that put emphasis on education and helping women, um, specifically women in situations or women in violent situations, um, get out of situations by putting emphasis on work and education. And so I was able to take a $500 scholarship for community college take that $500 for one semester and turn that into essentially a four-year college degree. Um, and then was able to get an internship at the Oklahoma Attorney General's Office for the Victim Services uh, Department. And that's where I did my very first piece of legislation there. Um, this is the AG's office or the capital of Oklahoma. Um, then went to Washington, D.C., where I was able to work on my first federal piece of legislation and that's how I ended up doing lobbying work in victims' rights. Um, the first time I had a mother come to me and say, my daughter's being trafficked. I don't know what to do. Please help me. So this is Britt. I don't know. Does this have a pointer? So I don't know if you can see, but I try to get a picture so you can see the bruises on her. So she's got essentially two black eyes, um, bruised jaw, bruised forehead, bruised arms. At this point, her mother is seeing these pictures online. If you can read, this is what she posted. This is after her pimp slash boyfriend has beaten her. And she put, once you got everything you needed, nothing was ever the same. It's a shame after it all. Your love is all I want and need, and need, babe. She's apologizing to her pimp. He beat her up. She's apologizing to him because she wants him to take him back. She's 21 from a broken home, domestic violence home. Um, she thinks he's the end-all, be-all. He loves her. He has, like, five other girls at this point. It's trauma bond at this point. In our state, we would say, she wants to be there. 
she's choosing to prostitute herself. She's choosing this lifestyle. The reality is she's a broken human. She's out of a bad home situation. She's wanting a, a, um, a relationship and love and seeking acceptance. And because of that, and because of the trauma she experienced as a child, because of the sexual abuse she experienced as a child, because of the domestic violence situation she's come out of, she is a broken person. And because of that, she's allowing this situation to happen to her, hoping that someone will love her. And if that means for 30 minutes, she can pretend that you will love her, $100, then that's fine. So her pimp has beat her up. Um, this is after not eating for three days, being locked in a hotel room. I won't go through the whole story. I end up picking her up naked in the snow behind a dumpster. Homeland Security gets involved. We go through this whole thing. This is me messaging her pimp on Facebook. Um, with a fake profile, trying to get information for Homeland Security. Um, this is when Facebook would let you geolocate people. They've removed this since. Um, but the thing that was crazy about this is that I almost died whenever I figured out where this actually was because this little map shows up, then it geolocates a house. Homeland Security is trying to figure out where he is because we're trying to get to her to get her out of the home, and I figure out she's in this house. And you're like, okay, this is in Amarillo, Texas, where I'm originally from. Amarillo, Texas is about 200,000 people, about 100,000 houses or properties. What are the odds out of 100,000 properties I know where this house is, right? Not only do I know where this house is, It's this house, 1906 Alice Street. It's the house where I was very first abused. It's the house I grew up in. The exact house. The exact house. The first time here in Nevada, 2017 session, I moved here to be the lobbyist and the policy, um, policy specialist for the Nevada Coalition in Domestic and Sexual Violence. I met Senator Pat Spearman. If you know Senator Pat Spearman, you know she's a firecracker. <laughs> we went a little rogue. Um, we went a little rogue. This is me and her kind of doing our own thing, um, which may be why I'm also no longer at the coalition, slightly. <laughs> a whole, <laughs> whole, whole other next slide, too. Um, we just last minute, you know, a week or two when session's already into session, she's like, what legislation do we need on trafficking? I was like, yeah, let's write a bill when session's already started. <laughs> it's like, we need a facilitation trafficking bill which basically means if you are not the person, not the exact pimp, but you're the person that's advertising 
the woman or child for sale. You're the person that's moving the woman or child for sale. You're the person assisting in the sale. You should be held accountable as a trafficker. Because when I was being sold online, there were people taking pictures of me. There were people doing videos of me. There were people that were moving me. There were people doing all these other things that were not, that would not today or back in 2017 be held accountable under the law in Nevada. They would not be considered a trafficker. And she said, okay, let's do it. And we made the very first in the country facilitation trafficking law that is now the model for the country. During that same time, don't know if any of you remember, we had Senator Mark Menendo. <laughs> don't remember him. Um, he decided at the same time, I was new lobbyist here. There's a little story about him sexually harassing some interns and a lobbyist turning them in, even though he's been doing it for 20 years, and I was that lobbyist. So I then got dragged in because, as you can probably tell, I, want, I don't keep quiet. <laughs> um, I figured at this point, I've been victimized enough. I've seen enough women being victimized enough. I wasn't going to be quiet. This was before the Me Too movement. Um, but I essentially watched him with a bunch of 20, 21-year-olds doing things that no one should do, let alone a grown senator. And I just marched into the um, majority leader's office and was like, you know who I am? You know what I do? You know I'm not scared to say anything to anybody? And I need you to fix this before I just go out and start yelling. Like, you need to do something. <laughs> and within three days, um, the now Attorney General had hired an independent investigator and everything. And by the end of it, they had 57 people that came forward to testify against him. Um, 50 of which, or not 50, like 48 of which were women who came forward and said, yeah, me too. So um, I was fortunate that um, I was able to ex not experience that, but was able to be a part of the state of Nevada taking leadership role in the Me Too movement because we as a state stepped up before the Me Too movement was even really a thing. Um, and the state of Nevada now has a wonderful process um, for sexual harassment and a wonderful process for reporting that here that other states really um, have been looking um, forward to. So I know I'm running out of time, so I'm gonna skip forward. Um, so the first time Nevada got, or any state got, a report card, quote unquote, for their child trafficking grades um, was back in 2011. We got an F, as did most of the country. We got a 58. This last time, um, after this last legislative session, not only did we get an A for the first time, we are now ranked number two in the country. Not only that, we did a 11 and a half point jump 
because of this last legislative session. Um, Senator Spearman and I, uh, Assemblywoman Krasner, Assemblywoman Tolls, Assemblywoman Bill Barry Axelrod, we all worked very hard this last, last, last legislative session. Um, we did 11 and a half point jump. We did the largest jump of any state. And we got an A. We are now tied second. And it's the, the biggest jump of any state in the history of the project. So, um, thank you. So, um, so uh, the National Coalition Against Sex Trafficking and Exploitation is the project me and some other survivors right now are working on, trying to create. And um, my goal in life is to be appointed the U.S. Ambassador at large for um, trafficking of persons by the president. That's my goal in life. So um, I think a survivor should be appointed that. I think a survivor should be the person that's speaking on that. It should be the person that's leading those efforts. So um, I will turn back over the mic. So thank you. Don't go away just yet, Kimberly. Thank you very much for sharing some of that very enlightening information and your story and, and the fact that it's doing so much good in our area. We've heard about it, but this is the first time we've ever really heard about it, I think. So I would like to present to you our Share What You Can Award, which means that we're going to give a donation to our local USO in your name. Kimberly will be around for a little bit after if there's any questions. One question, quick. You said your next door neighbors. Oh, abused, okay. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. In the words of a woman I most admire, Amelia Earhart, no kind action ever stops with itself. One kind action leads to another. Let's leave here today building connections, taking kind action, serving one another, and rejoicing in the Fellowship of Rotary, meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed the latest podcast from the Las Vegas Rotary Club. For more information about future meetings, membership, and our local service projects, please visit lasvegasrotary.com. Now please go out, take action, and connect the world.